friends this moment. There it was. Friends this moment. <laughs> I'm Marlene Lang. And I'm Sonia Williams. <laughs> and this is, uh, this is us just being friends, just talking and chatting and giving you an inside look on what it's like to be friends with Sonia and Marlene. All right. That was that was funny though. <laughs> what we do. So so Mar Marlene, uh we've been friends for a long time. Yeah. I mean, uh it's gonna be ten years next year. Maybe. No way. Has it been that long? Yeah, it was two thousand eleven. So it's nine years now. Yeah. Wow, wow. Thanks yeah. for that. You just aged me like overnight. Uh -huh. I know great. we were young then. <laughs> <laughs> so, and yeah. here we are. Yep. So, yes. so us talking and putting it on film or putting it on audio, this has been a long time coming. Hey, can, do you remember the first time we had a conversation about it? Yeah, I think it was at Tuna's in uh, North Miami Beach. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we're... I had the little one-bedroom apartment. Sonia and I uh, were in the same court cohort in our doctoral program together in practical theology. So, you know, we would go hang out. Yep. Um, yep. And I do recall, um, you know, people couldn't quite figure out what we were doing out together. <laughs> um, we used to yeah, that is true. That is true. Well, we were studying theology places. together, and they thought maybe we were nuns. Um, <laughs> remember? Yeah, someone said, are you guys nuns? So right. why are you studying theology? Well, we like it. Okay. Right. You know, <laughs> so. and I, I probably should applaud you for that, because people would often ask us what we did. And I refused to say that we were studying theology, because yeah. I had tried it a couple so, times. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you... Yeah, you put us on. Well, I did respect your request that, you know, from that time forward, we would never tell anyone. We made a pact <laughs> that if we were out and someone asked, we did not tell people what we did. Um, but, studying but did theology. it not change the trajectory of the conversation, though? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. But it always did. And then people had to ask you. It's like being a lawyer. And then they bring you your legal questions or being a doctor or whatever. So yeah, right. it's not safe to tell people <laughs> that you are a doctoral student in practical theology right. or things like right. that because everybody's but, got a beef. But that's that's a sign of the patriarchalness of, I know I made that <laughs> word up, right? Of society, you know? <laughs> they, they automatically put us in a nunnery or a convent. Right. You know, yeah. which is nothing wrong with that, right? But they automatically assume. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of categories. Um, yeah, and I, I think our friendship has been a lot about, um, you know, having to just get past some of the, you know, baggage even we, you know, mm -hmm. have carried in to knowing each other. Um, but yeah, I think the first time we talked about it, I said, you know, there's something here. Mm -hmm. um, about the way, as you like to put it, that I feel like when I'm with you, I can show up as myself, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what a friend is, you know? Right, 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 right. So, yeah. so, you know, so 
when we show up as ourselves, are we able to do that? Or is anyone able to do that among others? Right? Others. 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 Right. Because yeah. what I'm hearing is a whole bunch of embedded stuff, you know? So even when people put on us that we must be in a convent, or when I say, you know, I can't show up as myself in other spaces, you know, what does that really mean? Is that is that saying that we are inauthentic or that society shows up as the status quo all the time? There's expectations. Yeah, we all, you know, there's there's expectations. It's people's way, I think, of understanding, you know, the world around them, you know. It's, you know. Have you learned yeah, who you are outside? Hmm? Have you learned who you are outside of society? I think so. Yeah, that's that's what happens from too much time as a contemplative. You know, sitting <laughs> around. You know. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, it's it's an ongoing thing. How about you? Um. I, th I think that's the key right there. It's an ongoing thing, right? Mm -hmm. So when I walked into our first session of the cohort in practical theology, I sat down and I clearly knew who I was. I had arrived there so that I could learn more about social justice because I was going to save the land and liberate the oppressed, right? And I still have a lot of those hopes, right? But how to do that and how I show up in that space looks very different than it did 10 years ago, I think. Yeah. 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 And even then, though, we were aware, you know, of racial tension and thing, you know, the stuff that was out there, what was happening, um, the foment, mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's one of the reasons that we had the idea um, that you know, we need to do something together that we need to talk about, right. you know, this, right. what does it mean? Um, right. Right. Yeah. You know, so when you said, you know, just going back a few seconds of, you know, when we were at Tuna's and people were wondering why and how was it that we were friends and showing up in the same places. Um, I'm, Drinking I'm together. <laughs> <laughs> Having a great time together, you know, and, uh, and feeling free right but mm -hmm. i'm wondering how do you say it so racism so that was a clear distinction right how could this black woman and this white woman be friends so taking that and comparing it to the classroom setting or other settings that we were in surrounded by mm -hmm. different people where did you experience the sense of classism or racism was it between me and you or among others uh i think both i learned you know in both situations um i told this this story from miami to my um social justice uh class i was teaching at mount saint joseph university last year okay um we were talking about race. We watched the movie 13th in that class, the film. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember uh, one particular time. So I'm in Miami, uh, super 
diverse population. Um, my neighborhood, you know, very Latino. Um, and of course, I don't even speak Spanish, you know, so <laughs> I, you right. know, I feel, you know, um, like challenged. <laughs> You know, and we so were I supposed remember, to be learning though. Did you ever right, learn? <laughs> exactly. I remember one time I went into a Goodwill store, okay, because mm -hmm. I'm a graduate student, you know, right, I had right. no money. And, you know, I'm going through the racks, you know, mm -hmm. like you do at Goodwill, which of course in Miami were like little boutiques. They were very nice Goodwill stores too. Very nice. So, very nice. yeah, it was nice. So I go, I, I, I'm, I'm going through the racks and I noticed there was a, a woman a Latino woman um, kind of shoving me out of the way. <laughs> you know, she wanted to get the clothes too you know mm -hmm. and I remember being sort of taken aback by it and it wasn't like how dare you mm -hmm. you know I'm a white person don't push me aside mm -hmm. um, but I had to look at what happened, like, why, why was I surprised by that? Mm -hmm. um, and this is, you know, the skills, you know, that I have as a person who has learned to pay attention to my interior responses, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I deliberately do that. And so I went home and thought about that, like, what was it about that that just kind of, I found it jarring. I was right. I shouldn't have been surprised. This is okay. Okay. And I thought about it when I went back and I'm like, you know, okay. So I grew up in a little town that was almost all white. We had no, we had no African Americans in our town. We had a couple of Hispanic families. Um, but you know, it was, it was what it was, you know? And so I never, realized that as I moved about into, you know, a wider circle of, you know, my life, where I was, experiences and that, that I was used to people of color kind of deferring to me. Mm. I was not aware of this. Okay. Okay. I okay. was not aware of this, but it's a thing. Mm -hmm. And I was used to it. Mm -hmm. You go to Miami you know, <laughs> that I I, my, you know, I was kind of the minority there mm -hmm. and, you know, okay, there was no right. permit. And I, after I spent a little time with that and saying, what was that about? I realized that's what it was. I am mm -hmm. used to black and brown people, like in social situations, kind of deferring to me. Mm -hmm. And this woman didn't. And it surprised me. Mm -hmm. and it's not like I wanted her to mm -hmm. or expected her to, but that's the way it is, mm -hmm. and it was invisible. This was this was huge for me mm -hmm. um, when I did, I'm like I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I don't want that. That's mm -hmm. not right. You know? But that's odd, Marlene. For I mean, right from the black perspective, for yeah. a white woman to say I don't want that, right? So I was reading an article today from a National Catholic Reporter. Does that sound mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. oh. it was. It was basically that it was a white woman writing to other white people saying, this article is for you. And it was saying that when we become aware of that, that we have these places of mm -hmm. um, yeah. superiority, right? We choose how to operate out of that, right? right? And so for you to say that you choose 
to not use it, to not use that privilege, to not use that. I don't want to be like that. I mean, I find it, you know, I find it appalling that, you know, it even surprised me. Now, there was nothing in me that was expecting that consciously. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, the fact that I felt that surprise at that moment, Mm -hmm. that really disturbed me. Mm-hmm. And that I went home and it, it, you know, it was days I'm out at my walks, you know, kind of upset about, you know, this right, is what right. I do. And it was, um, yeah. And right. I think um, we don't see enough of uh, people just um, examining, you know, mm-hmm. a, an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like a disruption, right? We it was, the, the... it was a mild one, mm-hmm. but it was a disruption. Hey. And you acknowledged it and then figured out where to go from there. My question is, is that something that's teachable? Can we teach other white folk how to do that too? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, can't let me have my, here's the book we should all be holding (laughs) out, you know, along with the Bible. Okay. Oh, good job, Trump. Good job. Good job. (laughs) Yeah. White fragility. Um, One of the criticisms in, um, I'm trying to remember if it was the Atlantic or New Yorker that reviewed um, Robin D'Angelo's book mm-hmm. was um, that it really, it, it, it showed the problem very well, dissected, you know, what's going on. This is what it looks like. Um, people get angry. Um, you know, there's, there's the fragility kind of tantrum almost like, yeah, you know, don't tell me I'm racist sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think it does a good job of separating uh, this thing that is we're, um, if you say I'm racist, you're saying I'm bad. I'm one of these hateful, you know, violent people or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, no, it's more this, she's talking about this embedded thing mm-hmm. that's so deep. You know, we're swimming in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, why am I surprised that, you know, a Latino woman at Goodwill knocks me aside, kind of, right. you know, it wasn't right. really rude. It was just, you know, she was being, you know, mm-hmm. a little pushy, you know, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it's fine. You know, if I saw something really good, I might push her too, you know, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. um, but that one of the criticisms was, okay, how do we break out of this? And I'm convinced, um, you know, it can be taught that like we're hearing from so many spiritual leaders, it is spiritual. It's this paying attention to the responses. Mm. Um, And why, why can't we see it? Why can't white people see this or grasp it? Well, part of it is we've never been taught to pay attention to those urges. And that's of course, Mm-hmm. Part of because we don't have to, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but we're not taking the step into this whole thing that, you know, in, in spirituality studies, it's, it's interiority right. it's responses, but, um, you know, you could call it mindfulness. There's a lot of things that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. words approaches that I think touch on the same thing. It's mm-hmm. this idea of paying attention to what's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, when I feel angry because somebody said, you know, you white people, you know, I don't like hearing that. Okay, just stop mm-hmm. for a minute. Why does that bother me so much? Why does that feel so bad? Yeah, yeah. What, what I'm hearing is kind of what I'm working on now. I'm working on an article that's talking about deep listening. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so for me, so many people are, I'm, I'm going to move us just ahead until current day, just a little bit. We can bounce back and forth. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when we talk about surprises, um, when I'm not going to say that I was out in the March or if I was not, but for those of us who might have seen it on TV, the protests, right? Uh, forget it. I was out there marching. So while I'm out there, I look to my left, to my right. And there was at one point I turned around because I was filming. And what I realized, I was surrounded by white people. So right now we're in the midst of protesting and rioting yeah. and um, civil unrest, right? Um, because uh, Mr. Floyd was, you know, held down and suffocated for over eight minutes, right? Um, yeah. And so I think six months ago, a year ago, the last upheaval we were in with Mike Brown, um, I feel like there it was so many black people out on the front line. There were so many African Americans mm-hmm. that was marching and walking and fighting and pleading the case. But for this one, it feels so different for me. Yeah. And, and for me to turn around and be surrounded by white folk, I was surprised. You know, um, I was out on Sunday okay. and um, there were, uh, in our town, they had um, a, a drive. They were going to drive. There were, there were protests on Saturday, and on Sunday, they were going to do a drive. Mm-hmm. People in their cars, and they had a, a route through the downtown they were going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened, of course, so everybody's lined up down the street where it was supposed to start, and um, they barricaded the street in front of the police station. So the downtown drive was not going to happen and so everybody was just sitting in their cars Mm -hmm. so we all had masks on we're all sitting in our cars people have their roofs open everybody's got signs Mm -hmm. and what i saw there there were people driving in there were two lanes of cars it was a one-way street and we're all going the same way and there's there's kids riding their bikes in between there's people walking people you know with videos and there was this one young black man i loved him he's walking down between the cars with the video just like mm-hmm. you're describing mm-hmm. and i'm hearing him talking you know narrating his video and he's going look at all these white people Caucasians." <laughs> he said i can't believe how many caucasians i'm seeing i'm here from philadelphia visiting a friend and i'm walking down the street and all i see are caucasian people Mm-hmm. out with their signs he said mm-hmm. this is beautiful he was, <laughs> i wish i knew his name so i could find the video mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and everybody was honking it was a beautiful good spirit um mm-hmm. and i'm very bothered of course by what's happened and i'm very suspicious because i know the people i know who are going out there to say hey stop killing black people Mm-hmm. Make the police accountable. We don't hate cops. We just want good policing. We mm-hmm. And we're tired of this injustice, okay? That's what everybody feels. Mm-hmm. Nobody, I don't know anybody, at least in, in the communities I know of, of people who are just concerned people, I don't know anybody who would be violent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's going on with this? Um, I'm... I'm paying very close attention to these reports of um, plants, people who are 
not sympathetic to this cause, who are oh, going yeah. in, um, bringing projectiles of different kinds and inciting mm -hmm. these things. Right. So I think time will tell. And, um, and I believe that that's the case, but, um, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, a, a good friend of mine, Bo, uh, we were, uh, he was on my Facebook page. We went to seminary together and he made a post talking about Joe Olstein, that Joe Olstein was spotted, uh, out in one of these protests. Good for Joel. I think it's the first thing I, <laughs> I, I've liked maybe for Joel. I mean, yeah. Even I love her reaction. Like, what? Right? And yeah. so that's that's kind of where I think a lot of us st stood, you know? So I automatically had to begin reading the comments. And right. so many people were saying, no, that wasn't him. It was a lookalike. There's no okay. way. Right? Um, and then he came back and said, yep, we looked at it, we researched it, and it really was Joel Osteen out protesting. Okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting. The governor of Pennsylvania was out today. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Tom Wolf. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you, Tom Wolf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it is heartening. And I was thinking today as I was driving around, um, and I think this all the time, you know, I, I want to wave to black people and say, yes, we love you. It's okay. You know, I want to smile. And I'm thinking, I was thinking back to, you know, the, um, you know, the peace love movement of that. It's like, we had a thing called the peace sign, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I want to look at every African-American I see and say, peace, man, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, like, so what holds you back? I mean, why not say... Well, I do. Well, I wave. I do wave and smile. Okay. But I'm just saying, you know, mm -hmm. that's the thing. It's like, I, I want it to be a movement was my point. Like, I want, okay. I, I want a signal mm -hmm. that we can all just say yes. When right. you see an African-American, my white friends, make sure you smile at them. Make sure you do something friendly to just say, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's something I, I noticed years back when I do my walks, you know, I, I, I walk and I, I made a point that when I encountered someone, you know, coming toward me, when I walk, I would always smile at them. Mm -hmm. Mother Teresa, give mm -hmm. someone a gift, smile, right? That's right. And, but what I noticed is, um, you know, the African-American, especially the young men, they won't look at you. They can, mm -hmm. you know, they're afraid. Hell no, um, they're trying to save their life. I know, and it's it's hard, you know, because mm -hmm. here I am, it's like, you know, and yeah. It's a mixed bag, know, right? Gonna, what? It's they a mixed answer. bag. It's a mixed bag, yeah. right? Am I so, going to pull out my phone and call the cops on them because I don't like the way they look? Right, I mean, I don't right. want, I don't, you know, yeah. Um, I think I, I finally watched a video today of Karen, right? Karen was the one in New York Park, Central Park, I think. Walking okay. her dog oh. on the leash. The black guy mm -hmm. says, hey, can you put your dog on the leash? And mm -hmm. so I actually watched the footage, the actual footage. And she literally gets, you know, she threatens him and say, I'm going to call 911. He says, please do. He's holding the camera. He's videotaping her. And so she starts to come closer. And he's like, please stay away from me. She says, well, I'm going to call 911 and tell them that it's an African-American man threatening my life. Uh, yeah. Right? There's yeah. no threats. Absolutely none. And he's videoing. Yeah. And the danger in that was, for me, 
was the power that she knew that she had. That she knew she had. Yeah. Um, I read one commentary on that, that, and I'm sorry, whoever wrote that, that I don't remember, um, but that really unpacked and it said, just think about all the cultural assumptions that are packed into that, mm -hmm. that she, she knew she would be believed, or That's she it. assumed she mm -hmm. would be believed. Mm -hmm. She assumed she could tell a lie and be mm -hmm. believed. Mm -hmm. You know, yep, her word wow. is more valid than his, that she would be believed. All of yeah, those, what things. do you do with that? Um, mm -hmm. and you know, the, for people, yeah, the danger in that was that you know, for so long, I've heard uh, white folks say, Well, I didn't know, I didn't realize, but that was a clear case that she did know and she did realize, right? And she chose to use it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, you yeah. and I, we, we studied Cone, and uh, I think that that might have been my first introduction to Cone, and mm -hmm. it was powerful, and it was scary, you know. The cross uh, and the lynching tree. Yep, right? you know, and the black, uh, the oppressed, what was it, on the side of the oppressed, and, um, and so one of the things that he said in that book, uh, what was it, black and oppressed? I remember it was a white cover, black writing. And in there he says that until white people become black. You remember that line? And I even yeah, talked about it. That's the only class. thing I remember of Cone. It's kind of like economics. The only thing I remember is supply demand. <laughs> more. You know, but and, there's these one liners for us. And Cone, that's what James Cone I came away with. I remember him saying, you got to become black. Mm-hmm. And it was that. hard. It was hard to understand, even me being black, right? You're you know? like, I don't want them to be black, right? right? You know, I don't want it, and I don't get it. If I don't get it, how can they get it? You know. But it wasn't until 2020 when Amy Cooper uses her privilege against a black man that I understood what James Cone was saying, right? So mm -hmm. she used all of her whiteness and all the privileges that came with it. But had she right. chosen to stand in the place of a black person, right, with all of right. the, the things that society holds against yeah. them, had she yeah. chosen to understand the position of a black person or become black in that moment, things would have worked out very differently in that event. Right. And so it was in that moment that I realized what James Cone has been trying to say. Yeah, I mean, that's so dark, what she did. It's very, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, um, I was thinking, we were going back to stories, to ask me first when I told the story of the Goodwill, mm -hmm. <laughs> the Goodwill lady, um, <laughs> who woke me up, I mean, in a certain way, at least, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one thing there was but um i remember um one time we we had you and i had a discussion about um about suffering and uh, you know suffering what it means to be black you know it, 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 there was some context of race we were talking about i can't remember everything mm. i just remember um you I know mean, we were talking about one of the things that you know, was a binding thing for us as friends mm -hmm. was that we both knew what it was to grow up poor. You know, I mean, we, right, right. you know, um, right. 
and so we have that in common we're we're single women you know all these different things but i remember you know being sort of frustrated because it's like i have suffered man you know I, my life has not been a cakewalk you right, know right, right i i do know what suffering is mm -hmm. and i'm thankful for the different kinds of suffering i've had because i know what it is to be mm -hmm. the person who someone assumes that they're, you know, going, that I should defer to them. I, I know what that's like as a woman. I know what that's like as a poor kid. Right, you know? right, right. You're right. the poor kid at school or in your yeah. town or whatever. It's not like anyone's really terrible to you, but, mm -hmm. you know, you're not right. the doctor's kid. You right. Know? And there's a difference. So I remember having this talk about it and, and saying to you, you know, I really have suffered. You know, I mean, it's like I'm, I'm not a spoiled privileged white woman am i you know kind of like i you know i've suffered mm -hmm. and i just remember you having this look you know which we were already we already had established i think real trust so okay okay i was willing to listen to that look okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you you gave me this look like mm. i'm like yeah that was how you looked at me like okay i'm not gonna say it right now i'm not gonna say this okay and you know i i plugged in my inner you know intuitive and right, right. and i went home with that one too and i don't know if i've ever talked to you about this but it was this thing where i had to really think about that extra layer mm -hmm. that okay my life has not been that fun okay i've had a lot of things to overcome it's been hard you know right, i walked right. away from you know the kind of you know thing like a lot of you know white women have it easy mm -hmm. but when you're married to a white man you know because right. you know it's kind of like a you know it's it could, i could have had a much cushier life mm -hmm. um i i deliberately walked away from that um mm -hmm. because it was demeaning and I found it abusive. Um, all of that, I had to sit with that and say, what would it be like if I just added dark skin, black skin? Mm -hmm. You know, what if I were black mm -hmm. as well? Mm -hmm. Wow. It changes um, everything, right? Well, yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's a level. And so there's that. And I mm -hmm. think... Um, that's one of the things, I mean, I know you helped teach me that, you know, because you didn't, you didn't say anything. <laughs> you didn't have to say anything, you know, but it's like, I, you know. But it was um, a safe enough space for me to, you know, in that moment, kind of be like, oh, I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah. And it was safe enough for you to take it home, you know. Right, exactly. And I think that that's the power of some friendships, you know. Mm -hmm. And in particular, you know, even as I'm hearing you talk about your suffering, um, even, you know, in this moment, I look at you and I'm like, you're a white woman, you got it together, you're in, you know, you're this, you're that, you know. And I'm like, this chick got it going on. Now, had I, <laughs> now, had I not known you and known all the opposition that you face, then I would still have that interpretation of you and probably yeah. so many other Many people do. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I find that a lot. And in a way, it's like awesome because, you know, I have overcome a lot of things, you know, mm -hmm. um, so it's not obvious, you know, right, some right. of the hardship I've been through. But, but takes, you know, it's it not takes, a poor me, but. Yeah, yeah, but it takes intentional friendship, you know, yes. I mean. 
part of us, we could say it was just happenstance. We were the two smartest people in the room, or we were the ones who had the most life experience in the room, or whatever. You know, we can make excuses for it, but we could easily have ignored one another throughout mm -hmm. the cohort, right? Yeah, I couldn't have ignored you. I mean, you were <laughs> the only ones having any fun sometimes. <laughs> Right, you know, right. We were the ones rolling our eyes together, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that's really cool because I, I'm like, how does that happen? You know, you're like, we got a room full of people, mm -hmm. but you know, I really feel like you know, and there mm -hmm. were others, of course, that yep. we were having fun. With. Uh, so I don't know if you noticed. So when we were in, uh, say, Brian Fraley's class, uh, shout out to Brian Fraley, uh, we were. Um, sit around that kind of conference table that was the way the classroom was set up but i don't know if you noticed but i began to intentionally sit across from you so that i could see you <laughs> right and so there was benefits we weren't, yeah, it we weren't picking each other under the table <laughs> but, but i needed to know it was only because the table was too wide or i would have been right Right, but I needed to know if I spoke out against something in the classroom that someone would have my back, right? Right. Or someone would say, you know what, let's let's talk about that more. Because for those people who don't have life experience, they could easily dismiss our perspective. Right. You know? Um, what I was thinking um, in terms of, you know, your you're asking, I'm asking, you know, is it possible, you know, what is it that needs to happen so people um, can become more aware? Um, one of the reasons, you know, I don't mind talking about suffering, I, you know, my suffering, well, uh, you know, okay, I, it, that's not a self-pity thing. This is a, thank God I had that suffering because it's a framework out of which I can begin to understand now, of course, do I get it? Do I know what it's like to be a black person in America? No, I will never know that. But I have some things to hang it on, some things that I can approximate that experience a little bit, you know, being a woman, you know, right. being ignored in the room, you know, when you say something really bright. <laughs> and then, you know, right. 10 minutes later, the professor repeats what you said as though it hadn't been said in the room. Do you know I still And you say, that? hey, I just, that's what I just said. Mm -hmm. And nobody, nobody stands up and says, yeah, Marlene just said that. Okay, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, you know, and a lifetime of that <laughs> all right, as a yeah. smart person. But, um, okay, that's something, um, you know, uh, you know, not living in the nicest house in our town growing up you know i didn't live in the nice neighborhood mm -hmm. um it wasn't terrible you know when my parents were still my dad was still alive you know we had a little house um after that single mom we didn't live well um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so i know that experience I, I you know so okay i can at least begin to get some of this and right. so what i i would say about it is if we can, if, if white people, people with privilege can look at it and say, okay, what did it feel like the last time that I 
had some pain, that I was left out, that I was marginalized, that I suffered in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't have any, but we, I think we do. And but that's, a, yeah. It's a difficult position for white people. I, I'll give you that. So, uh, as you know, I'll talk to anyone. So there's a, a, <laughs> a, a, a there's a guy who's uh, at the local coffee shop, you know, and uh, he's always writing. Um, and so we began to talk, and you know, and we learn one another from time to time. And he begins to consider, you know, going to seminary and going to school and all that. So have these conversations, um, and so it gets good. You know, he talks about his life and then he begins to talk about, you know, this awareness that he is obtaining now that he's being more sagely. And now he believes that he is supposed to help black people. I'm like, all right, okay, keep talking, man, you know. And so we begin to keep talking and he wants to, he wants to help black people any way he can. If he can give them a loaf of bread or if he can help them get a job, um, but someone posed a question to him about his willingness to give up some of his power in order for black folks to receive power. Right. And it was at that moment, he was like, hell no, I'm not giving up any of my power. And, um, and he couldn't understand why he had to become black, as Cone would say, in order yeah, for and someone that's what else to talking about yeah one of the ideas that um i teach in my social justice classes is the concept of power over versus power with mm-hmm. and you know right now the case of is it amy cooper is that her name yep she was exercising power over and i think what you know what cone is saying is what does it mean to have power with to step down and have power with alongside, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know? And, uh, and I agree with that along with, right. But I also believe that it is a matter of at this point in time, denouncing, completely denouncing some of the power. So today I participated in, um, a clergy, um, presentation on how to handle yourselves uh, at a protest right so if you're going to be a leader in a protest Mm -hmm. or if you're going to accompany those who are protesting um Mm -hmm. and uh I've, i've been in two this week and the line that was most impressive came from a white woman talking to a group of white people how i got in this group i don't know I think they mistakenly sent me an invitation. I was literally the only person of color in this group. <laughs> um, but I was so impressed Oops, with it. How'd she get in here? <laughs> <laughs> they were a little bit uncomfortable at first, but you know, they continued on and did a fabulous job. Uh, and one of the statements that they were talking, a white woman talking to other white people said, in, these, in, in this up unrest, in these protests, you are not the voice. You are not the leader. The black person is the leader within this, in this time that we have to hear their voice. And your job is to only accompany. Your job is to be there with, hand out water if you need to, 
but your voice should not be heard um other than you know maybe the chance or whatever mm -hmm. um but i think in that statement that is a you need to renounce give up your power in that moment because mm -hmm. when a white person shows up they show up with the powers and the privileges that come with that and yeah. what would it be like to then model right, right. for others to see that I don't have to say anything, and this is going to be uh, a beautiful occasion. We can still achieve uh, a sense of equity or, you know, the demands that we want without the voices of white folk. Oh, no, I just thought that yeah. was pretty, pretty powerful. Well, you know, um, I, yeah. I, I see Trump every time I you do have that. Read, okay, I truly have read. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation mm. and took upon him the form of a slave. Well. And was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wow. Yeah. There you have it. It costs a lot to be humble, huh? Yeah. You got to give up some things. And that's yeah. I mean, and I feel like I'm wrestling with that right now as we speak. I, I don't think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out what that is. Mm -hmm. I really believe we're in a moment um, where we've got to uh, decide where we're going to stand. Are we going to, do the right thing or not history is going to be watching this oh, absolutely. moment it already is and um i um I, it's a fearful thing mm -hmm. it's a fearful thing um it's a, it's not a time to let that hardness stay here mm -hmm. that says i want to hang on to my power and i really think that's the danger for white people to just say i'm you know because i believe there's a lot of us that are you know, they're struggling. I don't expect you to have sympathy for the struggle. You know, it's like, just get it right. You know, mm -hmm. love, you know, stopping. But, you know, there's that anything. Cause like the man said, I'm not giving up my power. Mm -hmm. um, so I think um, I remember in teaching morality um, to students. And I always talked about how if, um, you need to learn to listen to your heart every day about the little, you know, mundane things, mm -hmm. you know, smile at that person, help somebody, you know, don't be a jerk, you know, do the little stuff that mm -hmm. you're supposed to do. You know, mm -hmm. Aristotle talked about forming the habits that form our character. And I, I remember you know, watching horrified faces of high school students when mm -hmm. I would say to them because if you can't do right in the mundane small moments when the big moments come where you got to stand up for something you won't mm -hmm. you'll be mm -hmm. in the habit of drowning out that voice of making it shut up and I'm afraid that we have done that we have shut up those voices right. over and over and over and we can't right now we can't this is justice this is about 
human beings, you know, mm -hmm. I had to tell my students this week, if you, um, you know, if, if black Americans are telling us we don't feel safe in our neighborhoods, we are afraid of being killed when we leave our houses, we have to listen to that, mm -hmm. you know, and it's been that that's not anything new. It's like, you know, come on. Right. Um, but, um, but so here we are. And, um, you know, this is the stuff on my mind. I'm, I'm wrestling with, with what is the right response right now? What can I do from where I'm at and how can I make sure I'm not a coward hanging on to my, um, you know, whatever power or privilege I have, um, okay. you know, so that, it doesn't upset my little world. Right, right, right. You know, I think while, while we begin to create what it is that we're supposed to do, because let's face it, there are both black and white folks who are at home because of this COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. There's Even that. The ones who want to be out there right. doing something they, they can't because they have to choose, right? Um, yeah. And so whether you're white or whether you're home because of COVID or whatever the, the case might be, um, when you're trying to figure out what it is to do in this time, I believe that what we do have to offer is a safe space for those who are out on the front line to reflect, right? So when mm -hmm. people go out there and they are experiencing uh, the, the tear gas, the violence, the um, police brutality when they are out there and they're seeing kids mistreated whatever it is that they're seeing i think everybody needs a place to come back to to be able to reflect you know everybody needs a safe space and everyone needs a place to listen so i'm calling and i'm asking both white and black people to take some time to just listen to sit still and listen you talked about the pulling of the heart. Some of some of us more uh, holy folk talk about the conviction that we mm -hmm. receive, right? Mm -hmm. um, but all of those things, I believe, is uh, for our non-people of faith. That's the universe speaking to us, um, mm -hmm. or for some of us, it's the holy that is speaking to us in mm -hmm. such a way. But we haven't slowed down enough to hear what it is, because I also heard you saying that right now is the determining time to figure out where we go next. Yeah. Yeah. And so we do have to be very intentional to figure out where it is that we're going next. And mm -hmm. so to listen, to do some deep listening, some soul listening, mm -hmm. um, and figure out where it is to go. And if, when we listen and we provide the space to listen to others so that they can hear their own soul, then what is it where two or three are gathered? There I am also right mm -hmm. and so then if the holy is brought into it and now we have three now i believe that we have some confirmation on where it is that we can go mm -hmm. what's next how to move forward so yeah. you know i i and for people of color who are on the front lines and they're following people or not knowing really what to do this isn't this isn't a fight against people this isn't even necessarily a fight against individual police, but mm -hmm. this is a fight and a protest for our lives. This is a fight and protest to change systems. 
And I believe that this is a time where we have to um, begin speaking to the system, not asking the system, oh, will you change for us and, you know, and make better rules. We need some serious action. Yeah. We need serious action. Yeah. Governor Wolf is putting out um, proposals for uh, commissions to um, report these kind of things, restructuring for um, police accountability. That mm -hmm. he's, he's working on it right now as mm -hmm. we speak. That, mm -hmm. Things like that, that's encouraging. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, I was, um, we had for um, school today a little uh, a prayer service after school, um, mm -hmm. virtual. <laughs> can't be all together, but um, uh, I was reading from Paul, uh, Pope Paul the Sixth, mm -hmm. um, whose most famous line is, um, "If you want peace, work for justice." Mm -hmm. That was the theme of uh, the World Day of Peace in 1972, mm -hmm. um, and so so I'm in there researching this because I'm supposed to, you know, I'm doing a little meditation about it and. This encyclical on the development of peoples is, is what it's called, 1967. He, re, he, he really breaks down, well, what do we mean by peace? Mm -hmm. Okay, he said, peace is not, and I'm paraphrasing, it's not having a gun to your head, mm -hmm. being terrorized into a quiet, mm -hmm. because the tension remains. Okay, and I'm mm -hmm. thinking, hmm, how appropriate for the moment that right, is. Right, right, right. That is not peace. Said lasting peace has to require justice in the structures, in the communities. Um, wow, there has wow. to be means for all people to fulfill their their human calling, their their dignity as human beings. Um, it was very inspiring. I really enjoyed it. Paul the I've been doing it. I'm like, where can I use that? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. That, uh, yeah, that, it's a good encyclical, but, um, but he really nailed it with this idea for, and of course, remember, um, he wrote that encyclical in 1967, mm -hmm. you know, going into 68 when there was, you know, so much turmoil and racial tension and everything going on. He was right smack in the middle of that. And I think he discerned it very well. Um, and so it's like, we have this here. It's not like we have no map. I'm, I'm sort of tired of hearing people saying, we've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> we have no map for what to do. Really? Um, you don't read, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, me and my, mm -hmm. you know, my, oh. my post history, history. Okay. The thing I'm tired of, and if you can tell all white people this, this would be great. <laughs> Stop quoting Martin Luther King. <laughs> I am so tired of that, you know? And it was funny because I'm like, you know, they keep talking about, well, Martin Luther King wouldn't want this. Well, you didn't want it either during that time. But but uh, just recently, someone interviewed Martin Luther King's daughter. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it was Bernice. And she was saying, my dad wouldn't be against this moment. My dad would be in support of this moment, right? You know, um, and I think it's all in you know perspective and understanding. You know, I I have a great rabbi friend. I respect him. Um, we have shared material. We have joined one another uh, at bedsides at the end of life. Uh, but just recently, he started telling people, for me, what to feel. 
that's how I understood it, you know, um, stop being out in the streets, uh, burning buildings, and why are you doing this? I mean, it wasn't even a question, it was a demand to stop. And how I received it was, he was using his white privilege to tell me what to do. And never once did he stop to ask me, why do you think this is happening? What is this an expression of? Yeah. What? It's the powder keg thing. It's like, you know, it, have you been paying attention? Uh, read Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow, that she documented why this is happening. It's yep. because post-civil rights movement, we just morphed the uh, method of keeping black people in their place into yep. something new. That's right. We had a whole bunch of civil rights laws, things that had to change. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Only people didn't change. Yep. And one of the yeah. t-shirts that I've seen is one word, and it says tired. And, and it puts like a beginning date and an end date, and the end date is 2020. And I really think that this is a culmination. That's what you're saying. You know, this is a culmination of years and years of oppression and now we're finally fed up with it. We tried to play by your rules. We tried to, you know, do all of these things. And now you really need to take some time and listen to who we are and, and what yeah, this moment is listening saying. Thing. Um, that was more or less the concluding chapter of uh, my dissertation. Now, I wasn't um, speaking about African Americans, and there I was speaking about Native Americans. Um, and my conclusion there, uh, my methodology actually was mm -hmm. respectful listening. Mm -hmm. um, the um, Vine Deloria Jr. Um, had this a great chapter in uh, in one of his books, but it was titled "We Talk, You Listen." You know, he said, mm -hmm. and this, and he wrote that in 1969. Okay. It was like old. And he, he says, it's enough. You know, you, you white people think, you know, what the Indian has to say. You don't. Mm -hmm. We talk, you listen. Okay. You need to be quiet. And listen. And so this was at the beginning of, you know, you know, my research and stuff. And I thought, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and I, I mean, I said, I'm going to heed that. That's what I need to do. That's how I need to do this. You know, but the end, you know, after literally four years of listening to what Native Americans were saying, what they were writing, what they're, they were publishing online, just saying, okay, I'm going to shut up and listen. I don't know anything about this. I really don't. I'm not in their community. I did not grow up in there. I just had this, you know, this interest because of who my grandfather was. Okay. Right. Right. You know what? I had to cry by the end of it. And I think there's really something there that if we listen, mm -hmm. if we listen, like you're saying, we're going to cry. It will make us cry. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes the getting angry, the brushing it off, you know, the, the throwing fits is because it's just, it's, it's horrible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's horrible that we've got in, entire groups of people within our country that are second class, that don't have the same opportunities. And then we're not talking about handouts. We're talking about systematic 
holding down of people, you know? That's right. That's right. That's right. There's a whole lot of anger it's going like, on no. and, and a yeah. whole lot of and, grief. You know, so, you know, what I would say to white people is, you know, can you look it in the face and let it make you cry? Can you do that? Mm. Um, yeah. That's a big request. I like it. I like it. So we have, uh, it looks like uh, 58 seconds left. So, All right. So we started hey. with friendship. Yeah. So let's end with friendship. Okay. Um, so how, how does friendship or friendship with the other friendship with me how does that change your thoughts in this moment how did how, how have what you learned from our friendship help someone else i don't know i just feel glad that i have you for a friend you know because i can show up as myself yeah i can and you know and learn i mean yeah and i think that that is i think that's a, a beautiful statement and a beautiful conclusion <laughs> is uh, really is in friendship intentional friendship friendship with the other where you can create a space for yourself to show up as yourself then i think that that allows everything to be put on the table and sorted through and deciphered through and turned over mm -hmm. and flipped and looked at so that we can put the pieces back together the way that they're supposed to be yeah. Right. Hey, and thank you for that time you paid my car insurance bill for me <laughs> when I was hey. flat broke in the middle of end of the first year of school of hey. grad school. Yes, it's this. about being safe. It's about this. being safe. This, yeah. this is this is us. This yeah. is what we do between friends. Right. This is what we do. Thank you. <laughs> all right. This is, all right. Blessings. Thanks. Talk to you real soon. Yeah. Thanks for listening.